0: Hello. Well, welcome back. Yes, to, to our second episode. Oh my god, episode two. Do we sound better? We hope we do. <laughs> we hope we do. That <laughs> we was completely the point. Yeah, we were like, oh, let's get a real mic. Our university lets us front them and we were so excited and then um, Ice Mageddon hit Texas and even though we live two minutes away from each other, we can't get to each other. So Kayla yes. has the mic. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I have the mic. Sorry, Kat. Um, it's it's currently Valentine's day. And, uh, if you're watching this or listening to this later, then, um, so, you know, it's been like freezing solid for since what Thursday, Thursday, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it's not going to let up until Thursday, which is just insane because, um, Last time I checked, we were in Texas. Yeah, I've never <laughs> seen this in Texas. Those, um, the cars that iced over and stuff, I was, I, know. I was shook. I've never had seen to, ice that thick in Texas. I know. I had to scrape ice off my car. Like our whole backyard is just frosted over. There's like, I've slipped. <laughs> I didn't fall, yeah. but I did slip. Uh, probably because I was wearing my Crocs, but it's okay because they're warm. <laughs> uh, I was wearing my like snow boots quote the closest to snow boots you get in Texas, and I still <laughs> slipped in the courtyard. And I was like, just trying to get my mail. <laughs> oh my so, god, no! Yeah. It's it's insane out there. I haven't driven since Thursday, which is weird for me because I usually drive a lot. But um, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not trying to die. Absolutely not, yeah. not. We we know what happens in Texas when it ices, as seen by. Oh my gosh, that awful car crash! In oh, Phillip I know Earth. that like, was so Like I sad. feel so awful for everyone involved. My dad. No. So you know when I low key could like had a panic attack on the Zoom call for class? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's because my dad called me <gasps> right before that, driving oh, no. through it, and <gasps> while he was on the call with me, he, driving um, through that rug. Not not through Fort Worth. He was driving up from oh. Houston, so he ha- wasn't in a, like near us in oh, a deep okay. precipitation. Mm-hmm. But like it was enough where he on the phone with me. He was like, "Shit, I'm sliding," and like told me oh, no. while it was happening, and it freaked me out so bad because okay. for those of you who don't know, I got in a bad car accident about a month and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And being in a car is bad enough, but my dad telling me that he was sliding on the ice while on the phone with me sent me completely over the edge. That's so, valid the story. Okay. Yeah. Do not drive in ice. Do not drive in ice in Texas because no one knows what they're doing. No one knows what they're doing. We don't have the right kind of tires. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> we don't even know how to get the right kind of tires. <laughs> we don't. Like, oh my does, god, is there such thing as chains in Texas? I don't know. Right? Like, what does that even mean? I don't know. I'll I will go it was to just hardware something from store. movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay, well that explains like why you're having such a hard time. I understand now. Cause like you just told me it was something with driving, and then yeah. you're having like a really hard time. I was like, was it that bad just getting from the museum to your house? Um, but I understand now yeah, that's valid. <laughs> it, it would have been like okay-ish. Yeah. Yeah. Being in the car in ICE wasn't great, it made me super nervous, but I trust mm-hmm. our friend as the driver. She was driving. Like, yeah. I don't have a car now. So I trusted her, but like Man, it still made me nervous. And then my dad called me when I walked through the door to get on the Zoom call. And I was like, why are you doing this now? The Lord is oh, no. testing me. Oh, my God. Ugh. Anyway. Well, I'm glad your dad's okay. Yeah, Texas is, like, screwed. Yeah. yeah I am, too. Um, he he they're, like, saying, okay. But, mm. Yeah, they're, like, saying that, like, this could cause as much damage as, like a like, a high category hurricane, like a four or five, just because of, like, one, like, no one knows how to drive, uh, so mm-hmm. no one can go anywhere. So, like, grocery stores are already empty. My yeah. roommate went yesterday, and it was just wiped out. Not yesterday, Friday. Um, and it was just wiped out already. Yep. Um, and two, because, like, the trees and stuff, if they, like, get too much ice on them, they'll, mm-hmm. the limbs will break. And then yep. our power will go out because they'll hit the power lines. And then they won't be able to get to the power lines to repair them. So, yeah. I've been like low-key turning my AC, like my heating off because I'm trying to save money because, you know, broke college students, which means I am like triple layered. I have thermals, a sweater, a sweatshirt, (coughs) and a blanket on right now We're I'm just sitting in my closet because I'm trying to like sound quality and absorb it with my clothes. Yeah. So yeah, feet me sitting here like a little gremlin (laughs) wrapped in like 20 layers. (laughs) Yeah. No, fortunately I have two roommates so we can split our power bill, but cat gets cold really easily, which is stressing me out. But the yeah. only way for her to get to my house is walking, <laughs> okay. and that would just be more cold. <laughs> I'm doing okay so far. I've I've got a heated blanket, um, so drop the mic. Worst so comes to worst, really I'll just cool. curl up in bed. <laughs> <laughs> we might have to edit that out. All well, of good adjust. segue, yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah. despite our well, that's ice this is this is how we um pl- yeah we planned to jokingly we were like, hey, we should record an emergency episode in case there's ever a reason we can't get together and film and I brought it up because like yeah I was thinking about my car accident like what happens if that happens again and I you know we can't get to the same town or whatever Mm -hmm. yeah and then like two days Um, later ice again yeah I was like unexpectedly oh yeah we're like well we didn't do that yet yeah no I was like I told Kat I was like oh that's a like a good idea like We could do that, but I don't think we need to do it now. And then literally two days later, even though we live like 500 feet from each other, we like can't get to each other's house. (laughs) So we're here on Zoom. Um, Sorry if the internet is a little unstable. It might glitch out the audio a little bit, but we're going to do our best. Um, Yeah. We were dedicated to filming every week now, so we weren't going to pass it up. Yeah, we should probably say that. So we said in the last episode that we were going to do every two weeks um and then we decided that every every week would probably be best just for where we feel comfortable there might be some weeks where we may need to skip out but we're hoping to like combat that like maybe do two in one day one week and then just mm-hmm. like skip a week you know our our schedules right now are pretty open but we're worried about like towards the end of the semester how things might start looking um yeah. we but we're grad students so, yeah. so like, finals might we, Mm -hmm. yeah so technically we could have waited to like record this because like we hadn't told anyone that we were gonna do every week but then we're like no we're gonna do it we're gonna do it we have to be we have to (laughs) we have to (laughs) so here we are recording our second episode
1: yes Um, and
0: our first one I think when we released it it was February but we recorded it in January so we didn't mm -hmm. like you know Recording and releasing dates, but that means this puts us in Black History Month. Can I get yeah. a hell yeah? Black History Month, a good time. So, um, we're gonna yeah. do a couple episodes for that. So, as a history podcast, we thought we would do a Black History episode given yeah, and the season. Yeah. So, um, and that doesn't mean we're just gonna talk about it during this month or anything yeah, like that. We obviously will, these not. stories will continue throughout. Yeah they'll be acknowledged they're important and they honestly make up so much of our history that doesn't get acknowledged because mm-hmm. minorities don't get the attention they deserve in history oh, for sure. yeah so this is not a one-time we're throwing us like black history month episode in and we're never going to talk about it again like it will yeah, no it will no. constantly come up <laughs> yeah black history month asian history month hispanic heritage month all yeah. of those months pride pride month like mm-hmm. we we want to do them all, and we want to like obviously not just talk about those yeah. stories during those times either because this is not that Utah school that lets people opt out of um, Black History. Let's not talk about that. I uh, that makes me upset. Um, sad. Anyway, that's why we made a podcast so people can yeah. educate themselves, right? Or well, they can listen to us and try to educate themselves. I don't know how successful that'll I be. Say, yeah, how <laughs> educational are we really? We're... I don't know. We've <laughs> talked about ice for the last twenty minutes, so oh god, yeah, <laughs> maybe not twenty. We'll I'm exaggerating, but, yeah. but you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, okay. One last thing before we do get to our history. Yes. Our Twitter is a. Yes, we have a Twitter. Yes, um, it is the acronym and the word podcast. Yeah. So it's like so T-I-N-A-H-L T- podcast. That's yes. our app. Um, so you can get to know us on there. Kat is running that and because she's much more active on social media than I am. Only on TikTok, Only though. Only on like, TikTok. I don't know Twitter, so I'm sorry, Heck. guys, if it's really weird, the first few she tweets. She thinks it's really complicated, but I promise that it's more simpler than she thinks. But yeah. she's doing a great job. Well, um, and yeah, so go follow us on there. Where we'd love to talk to you. Um, and yeah, and then our email again. I mean, you know, uh, we've said it in the last episode, and we'll probably say it again in this episode, but our email is lecture at gmail.com. Feel free to reach us out to us there if you feel so inclined. We should mention our first episode stats, cat, how we did. <laughs> <laughs> our, our little, our little innovative baby viewership. Know, and if I'm you listened, I, oh, I am very proud. And if yeah. you listened, thank you so much. And we're hoping it just yeah. gets better. We hope here. you're back. We hope we didn't drive you off with how crazy we are yeah and i'm working on my enunciation so oh yeah i should do that too (laughs) um yeah so we have we had people from all over the country well not like all over but like more places than i think we um were expecting one from canada which was fun um yeah we have people from ohio shout out to ohio oh we have one from seattle washington virginia new york missouri this is, this is pretty how cool. How that happened.
1: <laughs> I don't know. If either. those are y'all,
0: thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, shout out. That's so cool. Uh, we hope you're back. Like I said, um, if you're not, then I'm mm-hmm. sorry that uh, we understand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we hope to see even yeah. more people from all over the place. Maybe next time. But anyway. Yeah, we'll just get more comfy and casual. Yeah. I think we're already doing better. What about you, Kat? I think we're doing better I, on the first Yeah. Time. It's weird having to like interact with you over Zoom when I'm used to being able to read your body language next to Mm -hmm. me, but yeah, this is a... Yeah, don't worry. There's not much body language going on. I'm sitting on the floor next to my bed and... Yeah, I'm I'm sitting underneath a (laughs) hoop skirt that's probably going to fall off my shelf onto me in my closet, but it's fine. Hey, that'll make a fun little something something for the show. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway. Okay. All right. Do you want to go first this week since you went... I went first last time or do you want me to go first again? Should we alternate or should we stick stick to one thing? What do you think, Kat? Oh. This is our this is how the rest of this is gonna go. Oh my god. <laughs> um do you want me to flip a shoe? Sure. Okay. okay. Laces up, I go, laces down, you go. Wait, okay. But it's like weighted. Okay, whatever. No, it's not. This one's not. Okay. It's like really <laughs> cheap, flat. Okay, ready? Go. Laces down. Oh, so you go. I go first? Yep. Okay, oh, I gotta get the shoe now. Okay, <laughs> that was the only thing I had near me. Alrighty. Well, today I'm going to talk about the Tuskegee Airmen. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. The only thing I know about them is the, like, second Night of Museum, where the one guy just walked around saying, the Tuskegee, the Tuskegee Airmen. Airmen are on the march. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I definitely note that in my notes, because oh, that movie is a classic. The <laughs> bubblehead Einsteins, I kind of want one for my best. Okay, that would be really cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, they were actually the um, the first black military aviators in the U.S. Army Air Corps. So really important for history also like in the military, not just military, but overall, yeah. because this is a time when people were the, the civil rights movement wasn't like what yeah. we would think of with MLK and everything yet. But it was mm-hmm. definitely like amping up to that. Yeah. So what what years in what war? So this is World War II. Um, mm-hmm. They were founded. So it kind of like took a couple of years for their for them to get off the ground um, and form and everything. They were technically founded in 1941, but the years leading up to it, there was definitely like precursors for it and people pushing for it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I'll set the scene for y'all because that oh. helps me. Um, it helps me too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so World War II, we kind of have a picture of, think of any history channel movie and you've pretty much either landed on ancient Greece or World War Two, <laughs> Or aliens. Don't forget aliens. the aliens. Yeah. <laughs> um, but before World War Two, think like 1900 to 1920s, the KKK was growing. Like yeah. it was getting a lot of support. And the decades. Thanks, birth of a nation. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's weird because we think of like the Civil War and the- Like great wars to be so far apart but really they're not they were less than 100 years apart i know people had barely time to like recover yeah people probably had grandparents who fought in the civil war going off to world war one yeah Yeah. it's it's really weird and i think part of it is fashion history like when we picture those events they look Mm. so radically different because of technology and fashion being so different because you're like oh the distance between women wearing hoop skirts and women wearing pants, that was obviously a long time. It really wasn't. No, it really wasn't. Cause yeah, it happened really quickly. It it did. Yeah. I mean, you know, change of the, change of the millennia really century, not millennia, but like I've heard that that is what like, you know, fashion is cyclical and the only time you really get like new is when we enter like a new century. Yeah. Um, Cause people are like pushing forward instead of looking mm -hmm. back. So. Industrial Revolution and the wars did have an impact oh, on women's yeah. fashion, especially because during the wars, women, you know, witch the mm-hmm. workforce, and you know, mm-hmm. more um, not that they weren't already there, but it was more prevalent. They were more yeah. prevalent in the workforce during the mm-hmm. wars. So hoop skirts during um, in a factory not not as effective. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, that would be deadly, actually. Uh, but, um, literally, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Okay, moving on. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, KKK um, was growing into the 20s and everything, um, post-Civil War. Jim Crow is still around, massive issues with racism, segregation, and still, we could go on for hours about how slavery never really ended. It just turned into tenant farming, which Mm -hmm. forced African-Americans and, like, pre- previously slaves into the same positions and Mm -hmm. called it freedom, which it wasn't, there was no social mobility, nothing. And that, um, that was definitely still around the KKK, saw a little bit of a dip in the thirties going into this, but by no means was racism gone at all. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And like Kaylee said, birth of a nation was what 1915. Yeah. 15 or 17. I'm forgetting which one right now, but around then. Yeah, and for those of y'all that don't know, Birth of a Nation is an incredibly racist movie, Mm a disgustingly racist movie, that really just perpetuates the stereotype of, of Black people being super, like brutish and brutish and um, predatory particularly yes yeah yeah kaylee's seen it more recently than i have yeah i had to watch it for a class it's um it's rough and unfortunately it did kind of revolutionize the way movies are made and consumed in america so it's like a very culturally significant movie but that doesn't make it any less disgusting um it basically it depicts Um, a family, two families before and after the Civil War and kind of America before and after the Civil War. And like, oh my God, the consequences of letting like Black people be free and have like equal rights um, in just a really like gross, nasty way. And of course, it depicted the KKK saving the day at the end, which just Uh reignited the KKK, which actually started to like kind of die out, like fizzle out. They were still around, but it had the fizzle out. And then it like reignited it kind of stronger than it was when it originated in the 1800s. So, yeah, just short little micro yeah, history. The movie is piece of shit. Uh, yeah, don't waste yeah. your time watching it. It's three hours of racist <laughs> BS. I only did it because I had to watch it for a class. And honestly, I didn't pay attention to most of it because it's just so hard to watch. Um, yeah. But yeah. It creates a weird juxtaposition though at this time in history because it's it promotes these people as like, as people of color, as this really like like, like you said, predatory and strong and mm-hmm. menacing. And mm-hmm. there's so many stereotypes of this time that do the same thing. But what's mm-hmm. weird to me is that people were like scared of them, but acknowledged like through it inadvertently. They were trying to promote that like, they were stronger, physically overpowering and stuff. And I'm like, I don't get how you can try to portray someone as stronger than you, but then Mm -hmm. like, like not, it's such a mess. There's so much juxtaposition. (laughs) Yeah, I understand completely. It's so, I mean, I mean, it's racism, so it doesn't make sense. sense. It doesn't have to make sense. It's just fueled by people being pieces of shit basically. yeah and i think they were they were able to perpetuate that by also saying like they might be stronger and bigger and more terrifying <laughs> mm-hmm. but they're not as smart yeah and civilized yeah yeah which is which is such <sighs> um anyway anyway yeah. um, i won't spend so 30 minutes ranting about that but that yeah, was also our episode one of today the... is not over birth of a nation but yeah sorry <gasps> unfortunately but it does get it does exist. it yeah. does have we do have to mention <laughs> yeah um but that reasoning is part of why people didn't like said that they couldn't have people of color in the air force because oh. they weren't smart enough to like fly planes I guess. but it's just pushing buttons I, I mean i'm not smart enough to fly a plane but I'm i feel not, like if i learned like, the buttons i could do it <laughs> just like anyone <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a ridiculous excuse mm-hmm. but into the 20s we have people like Charles Lindbergh who took the Spirit of St. Louis across the Atlantic Ocean, which is also now in the Smithsonian. Uh, has Ooh. a really, if you ever get to go see it, go to the Air and Space Museum. Super cool. Um, and the year after that, Amelia Earhart becomes the first woman to do that. She has Wilmore Stoltz and Louis Gordon uh, in the plane with her when she does it, mm-hmm. and she gives them a lot of credit for it. But like you said, night at museum is <laughs> this is one of my favorite parts of that whole movie because. Mm-hmm. He, like, he walks up to her and, and says, thank you for clearing the runway. And I think there's, I think that's such an underrated moment because I I to intersectionality, uh, the, the captain of the Tuskegee Airmen. Oh, okay. Wow. He, I didn't He says, know, thank didn't you for clearing that. the runway. Yeah. And I think it's a huge moment because she didn't, create a path for them they were facing their own struggles and doubts mm-hmm. and misconceptions and racism is different than sexism but yeah. she made a point that you can blaze those trails and I think acknowledging that is huge because this time of like it was a time of revolution for pilots and yeah. to prove that you can be a woman you can be black yeah. and you can do this stuff and I think it's a really interesting note on intersectionality to yeah. like, they did that in the movie yeah that uh, is because, a, yeah, uh, surprisingly she, it's an interesting thing to have in a 90 day museum movie. Yeah. Um, speaking of museums, you, it's funny you mentioned the air and space museum. Cause it made me think of what our professors call it, the dad museum. Cause moms don't <laughs> choose to pick to, they don't, they don't choose that one out of all the Smithsonian. they're like, mm, let's not go to the air and space, but they got the dads. They got the dads, but they, you know who makes yeah. the decision? Not the dads. (laughs) Which is funny, though, because I don't know a child that is not obsessed with NASA. I mean, we're obsessed with NASA. (laughs) I know. I'm like, what? Uh, Air and space? Are you kidding? I would have died as a 10-year-old. But Yeah. uh, You know. Yeah, it's so cool. eh, I guess it's up to mom. Whatever. I mean, as I've gotten older, I've gotten less interested in just seeing planes. I would go see like a giant planetarium, though. That does sound cool. Just the space part, I'll tell you. I would do it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So... In the decades leading up to it, there was the first Kansas Colored Volunteer Infantry um, and the Fifty Fourth Massachusetts Infantry Regiment in eighteen sixty three. So during the Civil War, like there were mm-hmm. black people fighting. You know, it was in the Civil War. They were in World War One. Um, they were even fighting for fighting for both sides, right? Yeah, it was much more yeah. common, I think, to fight in the North, though. Yeah, maybe of their own free will. Versus. Yeah, that, those those were the first ones of their own. Oh okay. own volition yeah there yeah. we go volition. Um, so they yeah. the first they were the first regiments of color and everything um, oh, okay which are super they're portrayed in the movie glory i think denzel washington is in it oh. um, um but yeah so like they're they're notable and in world war one there were african-american pilots mm-hmm. some of them were super dedicated but i don't think there was a full group yeah um yeah and there was like the Harlem Hellfighters that your little brother pointed out. Oh yeah, Kat um, super... got to got to be on a family phone call with my fourteen year old <laughs> brother and mother, and he informed us of the Harlem Hellfighters that he learned from a uh, battlefield. Um, so, <laughs> but I mean, it's it's it was a good it helped, point it though that there are you know it, it yeah. they're represented in earlier wars. This was just mm-hmm. the first official in the Army Air Corps. Yeah, so. yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Thanks, Coop yeah <laughs> shout out um but yeah so we've reached we've done with our background we have reached the coming of the second great war it is 1938 and europe is not looking so hot <laughs> well actually the problem is it was looking kind of hot things were heating up you know um, not temperature are, wise yeah they are wise. Some, <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> uh there are some dates that suck to memorize in history. History is not about memorizing dates, but it will help you to know that World yeah. War II starts a year later, about a year later on September first, nineteen thirty-nine, when Germany invades Poland. So we are coming sh- coming into that hot ourselves. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, wait. FDR. Uh, are you back? Okay, you said... Okay, okay, Kaylee gets a seasonal cough that makes her, like, sound like she's dying, so... Yeah, <laughs> we'll edit uh, we'll, we'll <laughs> it out. It does not need to be consumed by anyone who doesn't know me in person. They don't deserve that. Okay, you said FDR, <laughs> <Pat>. <laughs> Yes, yes. FDR announces that he wants to expand the pilot training for civilians, and but segregation is still a thing. Um, it got a lot of attention from Chicago Defender, which is a... Um, Uh, paper founded by um, black people it gets noticed from the NAACP and other publications by black african-americans um and they're like bro what the wtf bro like can we like just train people of color because they are equal like uh, okay so like when like when the war started like all these publications and stuff started saying like hey we want to like help defend our country yeah why aren't you letting us okay exactly yeah Kind of like now with um, transgender people. Yeah. (sighs) Again, that's a story for another episode. Yeah, that's a different month. Um, (laughs) um, We'll see you in June. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) FDR breaks and is like, okay, by next year, the AAC, our Army Air Force, would like to be training them uh, as well. And the program that they were trained in got its name from the town in Alabama where they set up shop um tuskegee alabama it's also home of the tuskegee institute which was founded by booker t washington ah another washington. famous yeah another famous cool dude yeah it's like mm-hmm. awesome but yeah know, go bro um and i'm gonna you know give you a little face to put with it th- this whole story um so for a second we're gonna talk about john robinson who is considered the um father kind of of the tuskegee Airmen. um if we go back a few years, he's he's an African American black activist who is helping lead Ethiopia's air force. Um, it, you know, we'll get there in a second. Um, so <laughs> he goes to the Tuskegee Institute. He gets a degree in auto repair, and no one will hire a black mechanic. And he's <sighs> like, "This is absolute bull." Um, so he settles in Detroit. In Detroit, where he meets Cornelius Kofi. I think his is pronounced coffee. Mm-hmm. Kofi. No, his no. Yeah, Um, Uh, yeah. And they both want to do aviation. They're Mm -hmm. both inspired by Bessie Coleman, who I'm probably gonna do another episode on because she's awesome. She's the first black woman and Native American to get an international pilot's license. What? Absolute force of nature. Totally gonna do another (sighs) episode on her. God. Um, I wish I could be a woman like that. Right. I'm just bland. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Well, they like idolize her, and they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get pilot's license too." And they apply and almost get accepted. And then they're like, oh, wait, you're black. No, we're not taking you. So this man, (laughs) this John Robinson, awesome dude, applies for a janitor and sits in on the classes of his own time. He does so well and learns how to make. Yeah. Oh, my God. He learns how to make his own airplane out of a motorcycle motor. Oh, my God. What? What? That's not even like. That can't get you in the sky. <laughs> I, well this this guy is like determined. And oh it's god. so insane that the school finally was like, okay, yeah, like I guess, come on in. Like So he just so- like literally like, what is that uh that one movie with what who, Mad Damon or someone? Goodwill hunting, Goodwill Hunting. But he's just like it's <laughs> the janitor. Oh my god. But yeah, he well he and oh Co- he and Coffee get like um they go back and they like Get this professional training and everything, That's and they—they awesome. they, like they—they they are the founders of multiple institutions. Wow! Um, and they're even hired to teach. I think at the old at the school they were originally rejected from, but <laughs> they weren't allowed to use the white airstrips. Oh my god! So wait, hey, you want to know what they do? Wait, did they did they build one themselves? They built their own. They Hell built yeah, their they own did <laughs> airstrip. Oh my god! Um, These people have more yeah. willpower than I ever have in my whole life <laughs> like the sheer conviction I, yeah. I can't even imagine <gasps> wow. like being that determined and that I know yeah, I, it's, good for it's them incredible. that's so freaking cool I know um and later he contacts the Tuskegee Institute and wants to start a program when the funds become available um and in 1935 he goes to Ethiopia and he helps train pilots there he earns the name the brown condor and Italy eventually took Ethiopia. But he comes back to America with a hero's welcome, and he's one of the people that, when FDR is like, "Hey, we should create this mm-hmm. like training program for black pilots," he's like, "Put me front and center, like, like, yeah, I've, I've obviously, got you. like, I, I'm gonna help." I batonet. trust him the most. <laughs> I know, right? And so he becomes the father of the Tuskegee Airmen. Wow. So, yeah, if you want, uh, a, like, a name to pick out of this, he's a really cool person. And John Robinson. Robinson yep. Yes. So, yeah, if you're interested in him at, like, people more than the event, look him up. He's so cool. Yeah. Um, no, that's super cool. Yeah. So, as it's founded, we also should acknowledge it's Alabama. And worse, mm. it's Alabama in the 30s and 40s. Mm. So, you can imagine that a lot of people were not big fans. Listen, and I don't want to some... go to Alabama now. I couldn't imagine... Going back then. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, in, in response, they do a lot of PR efforts and stuff. Um, They have Eleanor Roosevelt visit. They did like a press tour, flew her around, recorded some of it, you know. Mm-hmm. All that fancy-schmancy PR stuff. Um, and they train pilots. And they get them ready for the war and everything. And they're deployed first to North Africa. Like the, these graduated Uh, Mm -hmm. trained um, pilots and I think we forget a lot of the time that it wasn't this wasn't all just happening over on like in Germany and like the western front the eastern front like Mm -hmm. these there were like colonies still we are still talking about colonized Africa oh Um, my god yeah and that's insane um, to think about yeah, it's it's really weird. We don't think about Africa in yeah, World War like, II, but it was definitely a, a front. Yeah, wasn't? Weren't like a lot of the places in Africa that were still colonized? Weren't they like given their freedom in like the sixties? I think that was when that big push yeah, came. It was way too recent. Yeah, yeah that's it, insane. It, ugh, I hate to think about it. Ugh. Yeah, so the war is happening in Africa too. Like, and mm-hmm. and I mean, it's according to white people, it's free real estate like you know <laughs> um, oh my god so all oh we can these, fight here like, nothing will happen it's an yeah, well, empty desert right and <laughs> part of the axis powers motivation was to just get land you know they wanted to expand they wanted yeah. to land where they, wherever they could find it True. and for them africa was like pretty easy target yeah um so the tuskegee airmen are deployed to north africa um Benito Mussolini was hellbent on getting across to Ethiopia and taking that, um, and taking that land. And eventually he did take Ethiopia. Um, but Mm. we should also note that even though these men are serving their country, have the same training, are just as qualified, are just as talented, if not more, these men are still at a disadvantage. They got planes that were already used um, they're sometimes damaged they're older they're mm. not as even as good as german enemy technology so they're they're being placed in bad uh, bad odds because yikes after the freaking really president that. too was like hey let's do this and then they can't even give them like good yeah. equipment uh yeah it's uh it's it's kind of sickening um and later a lot of them were sent to italy where they worked with the 79th fighter group um which is a white group actually um and more, more groups of people of color joined them over time, and they ended up making a, t- a larger group called the 30, 332nd Fighter Group. They kind of got upgraded a little bit. They got P fifty one planes, which were uh, just I, I think just overall better. I'm not uh, I'm not a not a plane person. Historian. I'm not a plane person. Sorry guys. Um, but they're a few one people of their jobs, I know that's a very niche specialty. <laughs> like really people really who niche. do like war history will be able to list off like every piece of artillery like. It's crazy, and we're not I, war historians. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's why we started this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so one of their jobs was to escort escort other bombers behind enemy lines, and they ended up getting the nickname Red Tails because the paint on their planes, and it was a really iconic look that could be identified. Um, they they lost about twenty five bombers that they were escorting behind enemy lines, but. It, and it sounds awful, but then you realize that the average for the other groups in the 15th Air Force was 46. Oh, wow. Like, these, these guys were killing it. They were yeah. doing a fantastic job. <laughs> um, but during the war, they did lose about 66 trained aviators in action mm. from the Tuskegee Airmen. Um, and about 32, I think 32 or 33, were taken as POWs after being shot down. Wow, um, POWs. And it's, it's, it's crazy to me that after these people return home, They still have to deal with racism. And let's be clear, no one should have to risk their life or do anything at all to gain common decency that is quality. No, it is not you sacrificing or risking your life is not a price you pay for respect. Mm -hmm. But it makes me so mad. Like your your race is not a debt that you have to pay to society. You don't owe anyone. Absolutely not. But that these men (sighs) did that. And came back and still faced so much racism. They were still dealing with segregation. They'd have to go through a whole civil rights movement still. Like Mm -hmm. it's it's maddening. Um, But they were also the irrefutable proof that they weren't just as good as the other pilots. They were arguably better. better. They performed better. They, yeah. And it wasn't until 1948 that President Truman desegregated the armed forces. And again, did not get rid of systemic racism, but it was years integrated? still. Till... Yeah, desegregated. Sorry. Yeah, yeah no, integrated. no, it's I do that all yeah. the time. Yeah. <laughs> My brain. Yeah. Yeah, But okay. they left behind a huge, a huge legacy. Um, the program mm. graduated 992 pilots and around wow. 14,000 mechanics and specialists. <sighs> they flew That's so over- many the- people. I thought I it was know. like a group of like 50. I mean, I don't know how big like regents in the military are, but... Yeah, I feel no, like it's, it's like 50. It's <laughs> yeah. yeah. They've ended up flying over 15,000 missions. They won wow. 850 medals. They destroy over 261 enemy aircraft. And that's not even counting the amount of supplies, trains, and other resources that they destroyed <laughs> be- behind enemy lines. Jeez. Incredible legacy. Um, and George W. Bush presents them with a congressional gold medal in 2007. And more than 300 of the original pilots were there. Wow! Wait, three hundred. <gasps> yep. And if that doesn't tell you that these people are still like, like these, wow. these people are like they're still they're still alive and they're just barely getting recognition. Yeah. And and the, the remaining survivors were all invo- invited to Obama's inauguration. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah. Ugh. So I, uh, I mean, I'm glad incredible legacy. I, I mean, I'm I'm not glad that that anyone would ever have to like face that, but. Could you imagine seeing that so much change happen, like, over your lifetime? You know? Just I know. Well, and that's what's from... weird to me is that I think, yeah, I think yeah. historians have a, a real desire to see that. And I think that's why we mm-hmm. study is that we want, there. there is a hope in seeing how far we've come. Yeah. But there is also a little bit of despair, I think, when mm-hmm. we look at how much is left to do. And, yeah. and, you know. No, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. I know, And I think historians have a lot of, not every historian, unfortunately, but I think a lot of historians have a desire to, and a lot of people just interested in history, people who are listening to this just have mm-hmm. an interest in understanding history to better the world in any way. And yeah. if that's why you're listening to this, congrats, you know, learning from your yeah. history does help you improve the oh. future. Oh my God. Yes. No, history definitely repeats itself. Some people like to say it doesn't, but I mean, Mm -hmm. we're seeing things almost, you know, a hundred years to the date that are repeating, like, happening right now with coronavirus and, like, Spanish flu and everything. And I just really think that, you know, like, if people had learned from the anti-mask movements in the Spanish flu, (laughs) yep, maybe we wouldn't have anti-mask movements now. Yeah. But... Yeah, no, that was really cool. I did not know anything about that. Like I said, starting off with bare minimum knowledge. <laughs> well, yeah, like honestly, my, my main knowledge, like the first time I ever heard them referenced was in Night of the Museum. And mm-hmm. I was so interested in these people that were like, yeah, just, like they, there's, they're obviously like historic figures. They're not yeah. just something Night of the Museum threw in there. And oh, yeah. so when I was like looking for stuff to do that they came to my mind first. And I was like, I want to know more about these people. Yeah. No, that's really cool. And that's why we started the podcast, because we also wanted to know more. Yeah. Um, But yeah, great job, Kat. Thank you. I'm excited for yours. I hope that I can live up to that. Um, So speaking of wanting to know more, I picked out for Black History Month, um, I wanted to focus on Black um, members of nobility, um, specifically in like European high courts, because I feel like people kind of forget that black people were in Europe. Um, They definitely were. Uh, Not as many as maybe now, but they definitely were. Um, And we'll get into that a little bit later. But I just wanted to really, like, I wanted to cover three. So I feel like visibility for this topic is a big thing. Because people kind of forget that, like, oh, people, like, had babies with people of different races. Not everyone was just pure white who was, like, in leadership positions and everything. Um, so I'm going to start mm. chronologically, um with the first Ooh. one being Saint. Maurice, the Knight of the Holy Lance. Um, mm. So this guy lived in the third century. so around uh, he didn't really have a birth date. I saw maybe two fifty, but the death date was like two eighty six. So he didn't live for like, very long, um, as most saints don't. um. But he was really cool. And I think the reason why he's, like, such a prominent member of this is because he was a knight in, like, the 3rd century when, like, you know, up until, I'd say, maybe, like, the 10th century. Like, being a knight back then was, like, really cool. And you got on to go, like, all these, like, Arthurian legend-like status missions and everything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But, like, that's why he really was, like, really prominent in history. Um, And I'll get into this a little later, but he was, he actually becomes the patron saint for all German um, Holy Roman emperors. um, And he becomes a big deal to like all, he's like a patron saint for like um, military and like stuff like that. So he's very like -like. warlike. Not like he's Mm -hmm. not warlike, but like he is the saint to countries who are like, oh, we want to do well in war. Um, So His, unfortunately, his description is going to be a little briefer than the other two I have, um, up, like, ready to talk about, um, because, just because he did live in the third century, and unless you were, like, a huge guy, like, an emperor, or, you know, something, Mm -hmm. like, you know, like, huge, like, king, queen, whatever, there's very, like, it's really hard to find information on people, uh, who weren't, like, really really famous um because it's the third century um and (laughs) things just don't last that long (laughs) Um, and they were barely learning how to like write things down at this time so you know so this is a little shorter than i would have preferred to speak because i wanted to know more about this guy but he did live kind of a short life so i guess that explains it too so like i said he was born sometime before 286 and he probably died in 286 or 287 um, and like I said before he really excited people's imaginations because he's a knight during these like kind of mythical times almost even though it's like normal history but people like are like oh back then weird stuff happened which honestly if we didn't know like how the world worked world worked back then like people didn't uh, mm. weird, weird stuff probably would be happening all the time <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, so he was born in Thebes which is an ancient Egyptian city um, and he was black. He wasn't just like, oh, like maybe like a Roman who like went to Thebes and was like born there. but no, he was he was black. He was from Egypt. and um, he uh, was a high official in the, the- Thebaid region of southern Egypt. So this is, this was a very early center of Christianity. and that's like his whole thing. That's why he be- eventually becomes a saint because he's very, very true to his Christian faith um, even before the Roman Empire like allowed it. Um but that being said though, he joined the Roman um military and rose through the ranks and would eventually become the um so what's the word? Um he was the leader of the legendary Roman Theban Legion, which was apparently, according to legend, um, a legion of 6,666 men who all converted to Christianity together. So en mass <laughs> and um, were put to death because of their Christian faith in 286 by the Roman um, by the roman emperor yeah so not all at once but it kind of happened in phases where the roman emperor kept asking them to do things that like defied their christian faith and they kept saying no and he just like kind of killed off like a little of the army at once i think the first like round of it was he killed every 10th man um it was known as like it was known as a certain term but it was basically to like I guess hurt the morale of the group as a whole and be like, I can do this um, if I want to. So I'm sorry if you were the 10th man, (laughs) like that's bad luck. Um, And then the Legion continued to um, like defy anti-Christian orders. So eventually the Roman emperor had them just all um, executed in two eighty six um including Saint Maurice, so this is how he officially becomes a saint and is martyred because he you know doesn't want to do not christian things um and he was—he died for it. So ancient, um, okay. Ancient like torture and murder <laughs> techniques are like they—they hit different, man. I—I oh I know God. they really did not care about people's lives. Like they were like humans. <laughs> I know they were. It was like the whole. It's like the Viking thing where it's like glorious to die because you'll be I in know. Valhalla, and it's like people were just. Chilling. they were I okay wanna, with it listen I guess if like you know your max life expectancy was what like 30 years like you just <laughs> were like oh, I might as well die when I'm 27 like what's the difference here? I mean well, okay also to be fair it's the third century so I'm not really sure if I would want to live back then either <laughs> <laughs> No TV to live for. I can't watch another episode of Peaky Blinders. It's all worth it. What this. am I supposed to do? Kat and I can't zoom and do our podcast in the third century. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're so right. If y'all like weird, morbid like if you have a morbid curiosity, honestly, look up like the wiki page for like old ancient tortures and stuff. It'll go yeah. down a rabbit hole, guys. No, they were they were they were wild back then. They were yeah. they were wild then. Um but Anyway, yeah, so, yeah sorry. <laughs> actually, so one of the really cool things about him is the region he was. Um, kind of a knight in was like kind of I think the Swiss, Swiss, Swiss reason, region. Oh my gosh, um, <laughs> and so Switzerland. That's easier to say. Um, and there were like very few black people. So like that's what's really cool about him too. Is like he was a knight during this time. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of his whole story. He, you know, did really well in the army and kind of was a really devoted Christian. Um, so he was really cool. And what's really cool about him too, is that depictions of him don't shy away from the fact that he was black. Um, like so many other depictions of black saints did. Um, because there are a lot of saints that came from Africa because I, like, I wanted to talk about this because, The Roman Empire. I think we don't realize it, but it was incredibly ethnically diverse. Like, yeah, and I don't get in movies. It's always portrayed as so white, and I'm like, it's like the whitewashing of also like religious figures. And I'm like, guys, I don't think Jesus was white. Uh, Exactly. No, and because um yeah. So and what's cool about the Roman Empire is if you were a Roman citizen, you could go wherever the Roman Empire was. So that's how we had like people from North Africa all the way up to into like. Roman-occupied Britain. Um, and because it was so, just... Oh, that's so cool. I know, right? And it's just it's so whitewashed. And it's something that, like, I think a lot of people, because it is so whitewashed, they don't, like, really think about. I mean, I, I know that that's what happened, but every time I hear it, I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> that... Mm-hmm. It is so cool that we it's just something that we don't think about because, you it's know, one our, of the like, dangerous things about media is it yeah. like we, we latch onto the bo- those portrayals and mm-hmm. sometimes forget that they are also products of the time period that movie yeah. or portrayal was made in, which is why mm-hmm. Star Wars. I'm sorry. They tried to go futuristic, but there's too many denim vests in there to be anything. <laughs> but 1980s does futurism. Listen, sorry. That's the best kind of futurism. Okay. You still ever seen Back I mean, to the Future. <laughs> you're you're right, but like, sorry, I had to put it out there. Sorry, back to our scheduled programming. <laughs> yeah. I understand. Thank you for your contributions to this cat. <laughs> um, but no, yeah. So like that's something really cool that I don't think, you know, we talk about enough um is just how diverse the Roman Empire was. Um so Yeah, so that was him. He, as far as I'm aware, um, he's not as widely celebrated as he is today. I'm not Catholic, so I'm not sure which saints are kind of, you know, up to snuff on the, on the, you know, top tippity top of the cutting edge of saintdom um, (laughs) that people are (laughs) talking about. Um, But one thing that was cool, like I said earlier, he was the patron saint of the German Holy Roman Empire and Holy Roman Empire Annunciation. Um, and actually, his swords and spurs were used in the coronations of Austro-Hungarian emprior- emperors until 1916. Whoa! So yeah, and I think they acquired those in maybe like the eighth century, something like that. Wow. So these are like almost ancient artifacts that they're using in this coronation. So like, Do I don't we, know if I know where they are. Like, I'm not sure. I'm not Can sure I, like, what happened. see them someday? Listen, I barely found a Wikipedia page on this guy. So research for his <laughs> Um, I bet you could look up his artifacts, though, if you wanted to. But, yeah, Probably so, will. like, I mean, if I was being coronated with, like, centuries and, like, thousands of year old things... I would also feel like I had the right to do things, which a lot of Holy Roman Emperors did. <laughs> so <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was him. He is actually not the only black saint by far. And there's actually some like really notable names, um, such as Saint Augustine. And I think people forget that he's black because he's depicted as white. Um, and if you are, if you go to a religion religious school like us, it's Augustine, St. Augustine, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but he, um, no, and, and St. Perpetua who was another, um, black woman from, who was sainted from Africa. So, um, but yeah, if you like look up like St. Augustine, black, like he was, he was from North Africa. He was from a ethnic group that was black. Um, and it's just so interesting to see that like, because he became so influential to the church, they were like, oh crap we have to pay him as, as white now. We have to convince people that Augustine was white. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to mention that because I thought that was like really cool. But, um, but as far as like nights go, St. Maurice was the only knight, as far as I'm aware hmm. of, who was like black and um, during this time and everything. So yeah, hmm. so that was him. That's um, fascinating. He's our first on our list. And then, so the next um, member of black high court um, was, a man by the name of Alessandro de Medici, and he was the du- first Duke of Florence. Um, and I do apologize; there's a lot of like Italian names with a bunch of, which with a bunch of like Z's in them, and uh, uh, we're going to struggle through this. But so, just for context, in case you forgot about who the Medici's were, um, they were an Italian bourgeois family that ruled Florence um, and later Tuscany during most of the time from 1434 to 1737. And this was a really, really um, corrupt time in Italy. And uh, if you know anything about like Renaissance church and Italy, you know about the Medicis, um, especially because they provided four popes from this one family and that's uh, Leo X, Clement VII, Pius IV, and Leon XI. Um, and this family also married into several royal families of Europe. Um, most notably was Catherine de' Medici in France. Um, so Alessandro, our main man here, was born July second, 22nd, 1510. And he was actually assassinated on January 6, 1537. Um, and we don't know who his exact father is. Um, historians are pretty sure it's this guy. I think it's Julio de Medici. Um, but some people could also think it might be his uncle, Julio's uncle, um, Lorenzo de Medici, who was actually a very famous um medici family member but we're not hmm. talking about his story today so we definitely definitely know he was black um because his mother was a black serving woman in the medici household the next person i'm talking about where we kind of speculate that she's black just because she has a lot of like african like features um but it's not confirmed either way um but uh this man is definitely black and if you look up pictures of Alessandro de Medici, they actually do, for the most part, portray him as, you know, having, like, dark skin and everything, um, and so his mother was a serving woman in the Medici household, um, and we don't really know much about her besides her name, which was Simonetta da Calovecchio, (laughs) um, so, yeah, so he was, you know, a bastard, but his dad, who we're just going to assume is Julio, um, he didn't have any legitimate sons. He just had Alessandro and then he had another um, son who was um, illegitimate. So they, and he actually did, he like, I mean, obviously this Alessandro becomes a Duke and that's because his dad like gives him stuff. Um, So he like treats them as he would like a legitimate son. And actually Julio, his father would later become Pope Clement the seventh, which I mentioned earlier. Yeah. So part of this, was um, part of him being Pope was he had to give up the lordship of Florence, um, I guess, out of, like, the Medici's, like, land holdings. Um, But he did give it up, technically, but he just uh, gave it to his son. And so he appointed his son Alessandro as the first duke of Florence, um, which makes him, you know, also Black, which was really cool for him to be, like, the first and also be a Black man. Um, The next part... (laughs) I'm going to. I think people don't realize often that if that the amount of um, high ranked people who had affairs or sexually assaulted or even raped their Mm -hmm. um, servants, especially those of color, I don't think they realize. I don't think people realize how many how many people actually would be in these high up positions if they were claimed as legitimate instead Mm -hmm. of just writing them off as bastards because they were of a different race or something like. it's ridiculous how many, how many servants were abused or raped at the hands Mm -hmm. of these people and how many children that some of these higher ups have that were not white. Mm -hmm. I know. And it would be, I mean, if we could have access to that history, it would just be, it would be so cool. But of course, you know, since they were illegitimate, and they came a, uh, came around in, like, not so favorable conditions, like, we don't have. Like, they weren't recorded. Mm-hmm. And uh, it would be so cool to, like, see everything. Because yeah, it's like I some, think how, how would... some people don't like talking about, like, Sally Hemmings and stuff. But yeah. I'm like, no. No, that's, like, like an important. We should talk like, about this. Yes. Please, let's like, talk about it. Like, we should about talk it. about th- that America is irrefutably founded on mm-hmm. so many messed up principles. I know. And unless you're willing to talk about them and f- fix them, mm-hmm. like... Yeah, we I, can't just I, sweep yeah. it under the rug. Like, there's still black people today who are, who can trace their ancestry back to Thomas Jefferson. Yeah. And I don't even know if there's white people who can do that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like uh. I had one girl in my, like, fifth grade class, and her claim to fame was that she was related to John Quincy Adams. Okay, John Quincy Adams. <laughs> All right, good for her, I guess. Anyway, but anyway. yeah, that's, that's my two cents, is like, yeah, no, y'all I would completely. be shocked at how many people yeah. are... Uh, Yeah, I wish uh, I wish we could go back in time. I really think that like, like you said earlier, like the depiction of history, it it really has done bad things for the actual study of it, because we have such this idea that history was just white. And that's so not true. And it just kind of clouds out all the real ability to see, you know, past that whiteness. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so back uh, to the yep, story. Yep, sorry. Um, Regularly scheduled programming. <laughs> yes. So, um, this next part I'm going to read for y'all right off an article because it is a little confusing and I think they explain it better than I could have. Um, Do we know who wrote the article? So, uh, this is an article from PBS. Um, Oh, love it! Yes, yes. PBS, and it's just talking about it's a little bio on Alessandro. So there's not like an author. It's just kind of like a. Okay, I just wanted to make sure we gave credit where it was due. Yes, yeah, no, (laughs) we're not Um, going to be plagiarists. We're not plagiarizing. Oh, if we don't want to plagiarize that. that little bio I gave on the Medici family, the context I gave, that was from Encyclopedia Britannica. So you can look that one up for yourself. Solid source. Yeah. (laughs) I just need someone to, something to write down that was like very concise that I could kind of offer as a little context. Um, Yeah. So, okay. So Republican had grown, Republicanism had grown in Florence under the regent, under the rule. So under Alessandro's rule. Um, And then... (laughs) So, during this time, Emperor Charles V sacked Rome in 1527. And because of that, the Florentines took advantage of this situation to install a more democratic form of government. Um, So, republicanism, as in, like, they just wanted, like, maybe a more, you know, electorate-friendly, more of a constitutional democracy, or monarchy, something like that. Um, And uh, so, because of that, Alessandro fled, Um, and then eventually this was like one of the breaks in the rule of the Medici from that time period I gave earlier. Um, so he came back was reinstalled, um, in his like ruling position in Florence, um, by Emperor Charles V. Um, and, um, so, uh, yeah, so that was the context. It's a little confusing, um, just because everything in this time was confusing, because I'm um, going to be real here. When you said the Medici family, I was like, I'm already confused them out because they're so <laughs> convoluted. <laughs> like I I've tried to learn about them <sighs> before, and I'm just the it's amount of so times people have kicked out, or moved around, I or know. took over. I. D- <laughs> oh my god, I, it's insane! It's insane, and I was like, maybe I can just do this one person, and even his one one life, which was only I think like twenty or thirty years, is like, what is going on? <laughs> um so yeah so i hope that makes sense basically rome got invaded by charles v and the florentines took advantage of that invasion to try to install a more democratic form of government in florence um and when finally when there was more peace was settled about two years later charles v agreed to militarily restore Florence to Alessandro. So Florence became part of the Medici's landholding again, um, instead of out of their landholding. So Alessandro was brought back to be um, the head of state of Florence. Um, Yes. I hope that makes sense. So yeah I, I, th- I think I'm following <laughs> yeah so that's kind of the political background basically basically what it boils down to is that there's the kind of traditional monarchy style ruling, which is what the Medici and what Alessandro was doing um and then there's like this faction who wants to install a more democratic form of government um, and so although alessandro was Back on the throne, quote unquote, he was really just the Duke, but you know, he did have like power. He wasn't the king, but he ruled this area. Um, there were still people who did not like him because they kind of wanted this more democratic form of government for Florence. Um, And despite that most of his citizens actually thought they approved in him or they really liked him because they he had a good sense of justice and he had a lot of common sense, according to that, Um, there were still the people who were sympathetic to the more democratic side of things. um, And they actually claimed that he exploited his citizens sexually. Oh, we don't like that. Using his power, which apparently was not true because There are only the accounts of two illegitimate, maybe three illegitimate uh, children that were his cause. Um, And if he really was, like, just ruling his citizens, making them, like, have sex with him, I guess. Um, Like, like, I feel like he would have more. Um, um, And of those two, maybe three illegitimate uh, children, they were all with the same woman. So, like... Yeah, so he wasn't really sleeping around or anything. I think I really think they just came up with that. Um, it was like one courtesan or something like that? Like one woman. It, yeah, was it like- was um, it was apparently a distant cousin, because of course it was. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to say it, but I feel like we had to. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, we're not gonna pretend that didn't happen a lot. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Um, okay. So yeah, so that was kind of, you know, his, like, ruling time. He ruled well. People seemed to like him. He was pretty well-liked for being a Medici, which is interesting because they don't have the best reputation as I far know. as, like, ruling people do. Maybe that was after him. <laughs> um, so he was assassinated, um, like I said, in January of 1537. And he was assassinated, actually, by a distant cousin, which is, again, why the Medici's are so convoluted, because mm-hmm. he was killed off by his own cousin. And this is a hard name. This is his cousin was Lorenzaccio Medici. L- Lorenzaccio Medici. I'm not sure. Lorenzo. I mean, that, We're gonna go. that sounded that sounded about right. And I'm gonna yeah. be honest. Sometimes when I can't I don't know how to pronounce a word, like the in mind when I was like trying to say coffee. Yeah, uh, like my brain sometimes reverts to like a southern thing. A southern. Like, and I I don't Lorencio. know why. I don't even have an accent, <laughs> but sometimes when I'm looking it's at okay. a words are just like That's our factory setting. Yeah. (laughs) This goes back. Um, Yeah. It'll probably get us on a word someday and we apologize. (laughs) It really will. Um, Okay. So I'm just going to call him his cousin. So his cousin actually had like kind of pulled like the ultimate like sneaky assassin mood and had like gotten himself like ingratiated with Alessandro's like court and everything. Um, and in order to gain his trust so that he could eventually kill him and playing on this idea that I don't know if this part is true, but this is how his cousin claimed that he assassinated, assassinated Alessandro. He claimed that he used, um, a fact that he set up a sexual liaison to trap and encounter alessandro without being armed or bodyguards um i'm not not sure if that's true that's a but pro it seems to be playing right there <laughs> i know it seems to be playing off this idea that like for some reason alessandro was like sexually dominating his citizens and that was the only thing he was concerned about um but i'm not sure i how, mean it's probably the was. best way to get someone alone is to be uh, like, that's fair swivel, it arms, right it's like in the movies when they have like "Ooh, there's a dragon let's distract it with the girl dragon <laughs> <laughs> sorry you've been watching too much shrek uh no comment you <laughs> <laughs> um, need to rewatch those anyway um so okay so he does get assassinated um, in January of 19, th- or 1537, 19. Wow. Okay, whatever. Um, so <laughs> We're going to ignore it. Did you hear that? Yeah. Are you okay? You did? Um, can you put your arms <laughs> I down? To, okay. I'm sorry. I didn't, think it would, I didn't think you'd be able to hear it. I'm sorry. It's okay. Kat has um, loose joints. <laughs> <laughs> I was like stretching and I, I like just snapped my shoulder blades on both sides. <laughs> it, might, it will be entirely possible that she'll just like dislocate a shoulder um, yeah. during one of these episodes and we'll have to deal with that. But, yeah, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't think you'd be able to hear it. And I forgot. I was like, it was, Mike. Just like a, faint, it was a faint pop. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's good. Um. So yeah. So he was assassinated. Um, and <laughs> despite his literal assassination, you know, they're usually used to, like, overthrow power structures. The anti-Medici faction that Alessandro's cousin belonged to that kind of coordinated this failed to use this opportunity to overthrow the government. They just were like, oh, he's dead. Oh, no, we have to do something now. <laughs> <laughs> A little late to the uptake. So... Um, the cousin Loren Zacchio ended up fleeing Florence and was actually killed himself. I think like 12 years later, He um, really missed an opportunity there. Yeah. So that, that was another kind of short lived life, but apparently everyone was back then, um, for <laughs> one reason or the other. Um, so yeah, so it was really cool that, you know, he had such a prominent like place in power, but he was, you know, half black, like he was a black man. And, um, <laughs> He actually, his lineage has connections to other royal families throughout history, including the Habsburgs, um, which is not surprising. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Marrying, you know, getting together with that cousin who's surprised. Yeah. And apparently he actually had connections to the Bonaparte family. Yes, the Napoleon Bonaparte family. Um, Yeah, like through Napoleon's sister. So that's a fun one. Yeah. Um, Mm. So, yeah, he was a pretty cool dude. I mean. I feel like that's the best way to study the Medici's is just one at a time. (laughs) (laughs) Probably the only way to reasonably understand it. I'm sure there's some like Medici scholar out there who's like disgusted (laughs) with us right now. Oh, I'm sure there is. Which honestly, if you were going to devote yourself to studying one thing for the rest of your life, it probably would be the Medici's. Because it would take a whole lifetime to figure out what the heck (laughs) is going on there. Um, Okay, so now we have our last one and she is probably she's the most recent and probably the most famous. Um, And it's like I said before, it's kind of questioned whether or not she was black. Um, And most of the evidence, it was never mentioned that she had any like direct black ancestors. Um, But when you see paintings of her, she does have what appears to be African features, which is the main like kind of idea that she could be black and if she was black um she would have connections to like uh, she was queen of england so she is in the direct lineage of like victoria and queen elizabeth ii so like if she was black then so were they but just a little bit um, yeah so this is queen charlotte of Mecklenburg-Strelitz. Shrel- um, she was from Germany and she lived from 1744 to 1818. And yeah, so she was a, from a small German, Northern German duchy, um, And apparently was an obvious choice for the recently um, appointed new King of England, King George III of American revolution fame. <laughs> huh. And um, so they were married on September 8th, 1761 um, and actually I wanted to note this because the age difference was actually appropriate for once. So wow. George, what a shock. I know George would have been 22 or 23 and Charlotte was around 17 and 18. So not bad. Like, you know, we've <laughs> seen so much worse in history, how so much worse. And she was 18. So by our standards, at least a consenting adult, yeah. um, so over the course of their marriage, George and Charlotte would have a whopping, guess how many kids they had cat. Thirteen. Fifteen. Oh, yeah. They had fifteen kids, eight boys and seven girls. Thirteen of which survived? did survive. Yeah. <gasps> Thirteen. Oh my yeah. gosh. This one was a powerhouse. She was popping babies out better than the Duggars. What? I know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's um, insane. I'm I shocked know. that
0: they 13 of them survived. Could you imagine? Yeah, could you imagine being a woman back then and going through birth 15 no. times? I wouldn't <gasps> even want to do it birth once. once. Today, I'm adopting if at all, so <laughs> no, Modern I cannot not imagine. <laughs> Um so yeah, so impressive, impressive woman. Um, the George and Charlotte were actually the first of the English monarchs to live in Buckingham Palace and move them in move there in seventeen sixty two soon after they were married. Um, Charlotte was a patron of the music as of the arts and specifically music, and she supported people like Handel and she also um, requested that Mozart play for her and George for some ceremony when Mozart was only eight years old. Um, oh, that was her. Yeah. And so I know about Mozart, but not her yeah, which makes me feel bad. Okay. No. And then Mozart later de- dedicated his Opus three to Charlotte. Um, hmm. Yeah, I don't know if he named it after her, but he definitely dedicated it to her. Um, she was also really into botany, which is super cool. Um, I would love to be into botany back then because they had like all those really cool greenhouses um, <laughs> and she was rich so she could get one built for her. <laughs> um, so actually she was so into botany that the scientific name of the bird of paradise plant was named after her. So the scientific name of bird of paradise is Strelitzia reginae and reginae means like queen. Um, huh. Yeah. So, um, and she also uh, founded a series of, or a number of orphanage, orphanages and became the patron of the a hospital that still exists today, which is actually called the queen Charlotte and Chelsea hospital. Um, mm. And actually, so King George the third was, you know, famously uh, not mentally. Well, um, he, they actually call him the mad King. Um, and, <laughs> honestly when you started talking about the mad king i just thought about uh, joffrey uh yeah yeah just a little um, but yeah. yeah well i don't know if he <laughs> he definitely didn't start as early as joffrey did. <laughs> <laughs> um so um so there was actually a bill i guess i would have called it a pill a law a decree that was mm-hmm. passed that if um a king were determined unsuitable to rule that they're, like, um, the regency. So, like, their wife would become effectively the ruler, um, which was, like, a really interesting and, like, kind of forward move That's for this shockingly time. shockingly progressive. Yeah. Um, but, and actually, so, in order to avoid um, Charlotte being in charge, in charge, uh, when... King George first started um, showing symptoms of his mental health issues. They did not tell Charlotte um, until it was, like, just so obvious that it wasn't – it couldn't be avoided. But by that time, um, their first son had grown up enough to uh, kind of be in charge. So um, George went – George had his, like, kind of biggest mental break in 1811, and that just kind of made him – unsuitable for like to rule for the rest of his life um so charlotte charlotte actually was the guardian of george but she wasn't like the regent um that fell to her son so she wasn't in charge of like the country but she was in charge of george and his like welfare from 1811 to her death in 1818 Hmm. um and yeah so Pretty cool lady. Um, apparently, though, she wasn't very well liked by her citizens in England. But, uh, I mean, they were kind of a picky bunch. They didn't really like anyone. So, <laughs> um, And because, you know, she did rule during, a, like, a significant portion of, like, the founding of America, there are several American cities named after her. The biggest one being Charlotte, North Carolina. Mm. Um, And apparently the people of North Carolina liked her better than her actual subjects. I think this is (laughs) post-American revolution. Um, But a quote from the director of education at the Mint Museum, which is apparently a big museum in North Carolina, said she said that um, she said, quote, we think your queen speaks to us on a lot of levels. As a woman, as an immigrant, a person who may have had African forebears, a botanist, a queen who opposed slavery, she speaks to Americans, especially in a city in the South, like Charlotte, that is trying to redefine itself. Um, so, yeah, so I think kind of, you know, like, the people of Charlotte and maybe Americans more kind of like what the ideas of that she had and like what she stood for people in England probably just were like, ah, this queen is a bitch. Yeah, (laughs) She's like, she's not spending her money. Well, (laughs) Um, so yeah. So the main thing is, is this huge question of was she actually black? And that's definitely, um, definitely up for debate. Um, I think more and more people are, maybe concluding that she could have had some African ancestry. Um, The main argument was, is that if you do look her up, multiple of her portraits do look like she has African features. Um, Now, Yeah. Charlotte, Queen Charlotte of Mecklenburg. Um, And there's like one painting in particular where you look at her and you're like, Oh, that could be, you know, a black woman, maybe one who's like a little more light skinned, but it's entirely possible with kind of the facial features and the way way the hair is um, like curl, the curl pattern in the hair and everything. Um, And the argument is, was brought forward by this one historian who was called Mario de Valdez, Mario de Valdez uh, y Cocoon. And his argument was that um, there's this one painting of her by this one painter and this one painter was very anti-slavery mm. and it was, you know, the com- there was a common practice to, for portraits to be made that kind of um, maybe altered a little bit of what the people actually looked like. Um, mm-hmm. And so for there to be a portrait of Queen Charlotte with African features, it had to be kind of done intentionally um, as a true representation of what she was I see what you mean I'm like looking yeah. at pictures of her and I uh-huh. think it's worth noting uh I took a to material cultures class last semester and they explained mm-hmm. uh in really good detail how portraits were usually they painted the body before you sat for it which is mm-hmm. why so many portraits you can look at them and be like um same dress, same body, same <laughs> pose, same everything. The face is just different because it's mm-hmm. such a long process that they would paint the body yeah. preemptively, and then oh, they would just be like, "Who wants to sit that. for it?" And, yeah, and it was like, oh, it was, yeah, so was just like a like random, le- ra- random dress that the artist, yeah, was like, oh, this is pretty." <laughs> and so, like, yeah, so you see a lot of repeated like motifs, but not just motifs, oh, but dresses yeah. and stuff because portraits. Not all the time. I don't know if it was different for royalty. If they wanted to catch your entire, you know, Mm -hmm. you were the fanciest. You were the best. So maybe it's different for them. But it wouldn't surprise me if, like, it was the body was pre-painted. And then, like, the face and the details were added later. Which is why she looks different in some of her portraits. Like, each Mm -hmm. one is very different. And, I mean, like you said, whitewashing treats and stuff like that. Yeah, well, the thing is, too. So, okay. So people during her time did say that she looked like mulatto, but it wasn't... I hate to bring it up because it wasn't said favorably because um, she was also kind of known as, like, an ugly queen. And that could be why her so, portraits yeah, are so different. Yeah, so it's racism. And so if she had, like, multiple painters come in and paint her different ways, and if she was really ugly according to, like, European beauty standards at the time... Like, they would have tried to change it. They would have tried to change it. And that's why she might look so different in all of her portraits. But... But yeah, I think a lot of historians are kind of being open to the idea that she is Black. I am not going to say one way or the other because I'm not, um, you know, one of the experts on this. But I do think it would be really cool if, like, someone this high up had at least a little African lineage. And I just, again, like we were talking about before, like, people were have never really been and still are not just, just white, you know. Yeah. And people intermingled in ways that is not shown in the movies and everything a lot. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, so that was Queen Charlotte, and that's the end of my three Black nobility features, or mm. little featurettes. Um, yeah, so. Wow, nice, yeah. 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 I thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah, that is really interesting. I'm definitely going to, like, look up more of the theories on Charlotte now, because, like, I'd yeah. never seen a portrait of her, but they're all drastically different. Some of them, like the features are really prominent and some of them yeah. she just, and I can't tell if it's the, you know, the powder mm-hmm. and arsenic paint they would have used on their faces back <laughs> right. then or what, but she, yeah, her portraits are each, like she looks different in each of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's definitely very interesting. And I, do, I do think there could be a possibility because, you know, you just never know. Um, and it's, it's fun to think of things that way than maybe the way they actually were. I prefer to think of it as more inclusive, even if they weren't intentionally trying to be inclusive. (laughs) Hmm. So yeah, that's the end of my story. Wow. Well, you got some good ones. Thanks. I think I know who I'm going to do for next week already. I honestly have no idea. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, I've done, I've done two of like, I did an event. I did a group and I mm -hmm. think I'm going to do a person next. Oh, Kat has a lot of people she's into. Oh, yeah. and my mom's calling again. She can wait. Um, she, likes like, to inter- so close. she likes to interrupt our recordings every time. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, do we have anything to say here at the end of the episode? Um, I hope everyone has a good week. If you're in Texas, please stay safe. Like, yeah, drip, this your, is insane. drip your pipes. <laughs> Don't yeah. let them burst. <laughs> and, I mean, it's not just us. The whole U.S. is getting... Like a huge snowstorm over the next few hours. Global I need warming. our school to cancel class, but they're being insubordinate <sighs> and they won't say anything till like midnight tonight. And Yeah, they definitely won't. But I'd be really surprised if we had to go to school tomorrow. Really, yeah, because really that, that's just going The good thing is we don't quote, have class until Tuesday.
1: And yeah, I think the they, one
0: bad thing is I can't work from home with the job I have. Yeah, so true. I'm just missing hours at this point. And I highly doubt our university is kind enough to give me paid time off so apparently that's what they did did last time the snow day in january that's what (sighs) that's what my roommate said but i'd have to ask her more information about that but yeah let's hope so because i don't think we go a whole week without getting paid like financially i need groceries (laughs) yeah i know that's a big oh that's a big hit to your paycheck but yeah oh my gosh anyway hopefully um hopefully we'll survive to the next episode um I think Kat's going to freeze herself out of the apartment. Don't be afraid to turn your heater on. I, I do turn it on a little bit every few hours to, like, warm it up a little bit. I just don't have it running all the time. Yeah, I know. Just giving you a hard time. <laughs> yeah, I got you. That, the cold adds to her joint problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a fun one, guys, in case you didn't know. She's falling apart a little bit, but it's okay. It's a <laughs> um, so, yeah, so this is the end of episode two. Thank you all for listening. If you still are, um, we hope it was a little less rambly than last time. Maybe it was a little more rambly, depending on the part you're listening I to. The, I think the ramblings were more focused, uh, focused on what we, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um,
1: yeah. stick yeah, around so, next time.
0: Hopefully it'll just get better. Yeah. Hopefully maybe next time we'll actually not be over zoom and you won't hear weird audio glitches because of my bad internet. <laughs> and yeah. yeah hopefully so, we'll be together. Hopefully, we'll be together and using one or two mics. um, We're going to figure that out. But we do have access to mics, which is great. Perk of being a student. Yeah. If you ever think of anyone, too, that you're like, wow, that would be a really cool um, person or topic to cover, tweet at us. Maybe we'll... Tweet at us. Email us. Maybe we'll, we'll pick it up sometime or something. Yeah. Oh, and we should mention we are now officially listed on several <gasps> podcast yes! platforms. Um, so we're on Spotify, Apple music, Google podcasts and Stitcher. And then uh, with, I think um, the approval for like Apple podcasts and Google, we got added to like a bunch of other different random ones. So you can find us on I think over 10 platforms now. So that's really exciting. Crazy. So listen at your leisure. If uh, you've enjoyed what you heard today, we would love it if you would leave us an Apple review, um, mm-hmm. which feels like crazy yes, to would. be asking, but it would be, we would really, really appreciate it just to help us out. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So like Kat said, you can find us on Twitter at T I N A H L A H L podcast. Um, and then if you have any longer uh, comments or suggestions than 240 characters then you can reach out to us via email Um, this is not history lecture at gmail.com and uh, we'll talk to y'all next time next week yeah so um, yeah have a good one have a good one goodbye bye bye